welcome to Taking the Middle Seat, a podcast where we explore connection where you might not think it exists. I'm your host, Andrea, and I've always believed there is connection to be made when you sit next to someone and really take in their story. So every couple of weeks or so, I'm taking the middle seat. I'm listening in on someone's story because I know that the middle seat holds healing and acceptance and laughter and community if we just stay open and remember that we belong to each other. I hope you'll listen into each and every episode and that you'll find yourself moving in to hear the magic in the middle seat. On this episode, episode 36, I'm talking to Teresa Adkinson, founder of Derek's Place, a recovery cafe. Teresa is incredible. This is possibly the most middle seat conversation I've had to date, and I'm so honored that Teresa allowed me to listen to her story. Teresa talks about her son, Derek, from his rambunctious boyhood through the ups and downs of his adolescence to his adulthood as a father and a hard worker. And through the whole story, she talks about how substance use disorder was also part of his story. Derek lost his battle with addiction in January of 2018. You'll hear how Teresa was beside him in every phase of his life, in every phase of his addiction. And she talks so honestly and openly about the joys and the despair and the worry and the love involved in being Derek's mom. I hope you listen to every single word she says because I know that some of you are living her story or you know someone who is living Derek's story and we need her story. We need to listen. This is a longer episode, but I feel like every nuance is important to really understanding Teresa's story. You will absolutely want to support the work Teresa is doing. So I've linked to her work in the show notes. Let's rally around her so that Derek's place can be a resource and a refuge to people experiencing homelessness and addiction in West Michigan. I'd love for you to give what you can, and you can do that right on her website. All right, take a deep breath, open your heart, and let's get to my interview with Teresa Adkinson. Teresa, I'm so glad you're here. I'm just so excited to hear about Derek's Place. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Andrea. Um, I'm excited to do this. It's going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be good. I feel like people need to know about what you're doing. Yes, they do. They do. There's so many people that need to know, including myself. So I'm excited to learn more. Um, our paths crossed because I don't, we didn't even talk about this, but my neighbor knows you through like two degrees of separation or something like that. Oh, that's crazy. Yes. And I was like, I saw a picture of her at one of your fundraisers and I was like, there's my in. And then, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, can you text whoever knows you? Da, da, da. And then she connected you to me and I was thrilled. Well, that I'm you so said, glad. Yes. Yeah. So um, tell the listeners a little bit about you, whatever you want to share, just kind of family work, where you live, whatever you want to say. Um, I've, I've lived in Grand Rapids for a lot of my life mm -hmm. and all over actually, but, mm -hmm. um, I have, uh, three children. Mm -hmm. Well, they're not really children. They're adults now. Always children um, to us, right? But, yes. uh, I have seven grandkids uh -huh. and, uh, 
my son Derek is why I'm here today. Yeah, yeah. So tell us, we'll just back right up to the beginning, wherever that feels right for you. Like when he was a little kid, what he was like, or if you want to talk about, you know, more of when he was growing into adulthood, wherever that story begins for you. Um, talk about Derek. All right. Tell us about him. I love talking about Derek. So, uh, you know, Derek was uh, always, uh, as a little boy, he was very adventurous and fearless Mm -hmm. and uh there's a funny story about him that Mm -hmm. he always told into adulthood and uh when he was four he was a puppy Uh (laughs) and he crawled around on all fours for a whole week sure he slept underneath the coffee table that was his (laughs) dog house and when it was time to eat, I had to put his plate on the floor, and he ate like a dog, and his name was Dirk. We had to call him Dirk the dog. Sure, yes. So uh, that's just a funny story that I didn't realize until, um, gosh, probably a year or so ago, Mm -hmm. that he actually told that story all the time to his friends, and um, so that's just a... A funny story and a funny funny memory of him but oh, I um, love that we we always <laughs> he oh gosh when he started school he was just uh, he was always in trouble mm-hmm. and um, he was as a young boy he was diagnosed with ADHD and ODD okay um, was put on Ritalin and ODD people might not op- know that oppositional one. defiant disorder okay. which was totally Derek he was very defiant mm-hmm. um but he the, you know he just didn't like the way the medication made him feel and it just got to a point where I didn't want to fight with him to take it yeah. so he didn't he didn't take it anymore um and then when he was my first knowledge is when he was 14 mm-hmm. he started drinking and smoking pot okay and uh was getting kicked out of school all the time and uh would just be gone from home for like the whole weekend he wouldn't yeah. come home from school on a friday and then he would come back in sunday like i'm home yeah no problem <laughs> right. here i am yes yeah. the world's been spinning yeah. around and it's no big deal yeah um so uh, he ended up getting uh, expelled from Rogers High School and then the alternative school that he was sent to. And here he was, 16 years old, and no school to go to. And uh. um, I remember coming home from work one day, and it was summer vacation. Mm-hmm. And uh, the girls were off doing whatever with their friends, and Derek's just laying on the floor watching TV. And I was like, Derek, you need to do something. Mm-hmm. You need to get a job or something. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm on vacation. <laughs> I was like, like, vacation from vacation? Exactly. I'm like, what? you don't go to school, you don't get a vacation. No. <laughs> so... Um, he, I actually got him into a great school for at-risk youth that's called Michigan Youth Challenge Academy, and it's okay. in Battle Creek. 
and he went there and he excelled there and he got a 4.0 there and just he it was the structure he, I was gonna say what do you think it was it was just, the structure yeah. there and um because and Derek never met a stranger he yeah. was always just so charming and they all loved him there yeah so um and he signed uh he got sworn into the marines while he was there oh, wow. and I was so excited because I'm like this is what he needs he's gonna have a good life yeah. And um, <clears throat> a day, the day before he was supposed to go to the recruiter's office to go to boot camp, mm-hmm. he just disappeared. Ugh. And so I'm freaking out on the day of. The recruiter's calling me, where's Derek? And um, I, I had no idea where he was. Yeah. And um, later that day, he came home and he said, well, I smoked pot last night, so I can't go. Mm-hmm. I think he was just, he was very fearful mm-hmm. of being away from home and all of that. So he was um, discharged for drugs without ever going into the Marines. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, from there, it just, uh, he was just on a downward spiral. He started doing harder drugs, mm-hmm. um, uh, cocaine. He did a lot. Um, I finally had to make him leave my house because I I just couldn't live that way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I would my my bedroom was downstairs, and um, his bedroom, his and his younger sister's bedrooms were upstairs. And there were a few times that I could hear people, and it would wake me up. And there's strangers walking by my bedroom door, and he's like, taking these people upstairs sure. to yeah. do drugs and whatever. Uh huh. Like, so, oh, hello. Yeah. yeah. Well, wasn't okay with me. No, that's good. Yep. <laughs> so, uh he he laughed and um it was a rocky road for him. He would have instances where he wouldn't do drugs for, mm-hmm. you know, a few weeks and but then he would get right back into them. At that point, he didn't go to hadn't gone to rehab. Um And then in, well, he had a son, Alexander, when, uh, let's see, that was in 2012. Okay. Um, And we all thought, well, this is it. Yeah. Alexander's going to change his life. Yeah. That'll be the motivation. Exactly. And, And I think he thought that too. Yeah. But that wasn't the case. Yeah. And later that year, he was introduced to crack. Uh huh. And um, that was the beginning of the end. Yeah. He, uh, he, oh, he just couldn't, it was just, it wasn't him. Yeah. He would do things that my son would never do. And, um, and let's see, at that time I was living in Florida mm-hmm. and I had gotten a call from the mother of, his son Alexander and she said that Derek had called her and he was threatening to kill himself okay and and I'm like what can I do right I'm in Florida Mm -hmm. so I called him and I talked to him and he was high Uh which I'm surprised that he answered the phone because normally he wouldn't 
he would just drop off the radar yes. if he was... he never... I mean, I never saw him smoke it or he... When he was using, he usually didn't answer text messages or phone calls, and that's how I knew mm-hmm. that, that that's what he was doing. Um, and I talked to him for a while, and he was he was clearly upset... And then all of a sudden he said, I am so mad at you. And I was like, why are you mad at me? Mm-hmm. Because you didn't teach me how to be a man. Oh. And I was like, well, Derek, I'm not a man. How, how could I teach you how to be a man? Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't even know what to say because I, I'm thinking... Why would he even say that to me? He's not in yeah. his right mind. Yes. <laughs> so we got off the phone and I called the uh, the local police mm-hmm. and told them what was going on. And they went over and, and did a well check on him. Well, he ended up swinging at a police officer. So he went to jail. Uh-huh. Um, that was... <laughs> um, but he told them, no, I'm not, I'm not going to hurt myself. So, and I don't understand why they believe people when they tell them that. I mean, yeah. he was hurting himself every day by doing drugs, but, yeah. um, but he never actually, I, as far as I know, Derek never actually took any measures to try and take his life. Right. Like a full attempt. Exactly. Where it, which is, of course, different from kind of passive addiction that is, of course, like har- like you said. Right. Harming himself every single day. Right. But an actual act exactly. of suicidal intent. Exactly. As far as I intent. know, right. Yeah. He never okay. did that. Um, so. He moved back to. He went to. Uh, he has a. A girlfriend, Sam, that lives in Philly, and mm-hmm. that's where he ended up was in Philly for okay. work. Um, and she knew nothing of addiction. She had never been around it. She knew nothing about it. And okay. then she found out in 2015 that he was actively smoking crack. Mm-hmm. And he told her, and he's like, "I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this, but I, I can't stop." Mm-hmm. So there is a um, there is a self pay rehab facility out there. Okay. Um, called Livingren, cost thirty thousand dollars a month to go there, wow. and Sam got him a scholarship for thirty days. Wow. Which was amazing, and he went there and he loved it. Yeah. He learned so much there, and when he left there. He had a clear head, and he had goals and dreams, and he had the tools to be able to achieve all that. Mm-hmm. Um, he did really well. He, you know, he started his business back up and um, was just doing good. Mm-hmm. But then he started talking about, well, I need to come back to Michigan because I want to be a part of my children's lives at this point he had another son okay christian who was born in 2014 i think somewhere around there so yeah yeah. (laughs) hard to keep track of all those dates i know so um he wanted to be a part of their daily lives Mm -hmm. and go to school things and take them to school and spend time with them um 
and I was so afraid for him. I'm like, Derek, are are you ready? Yeah. You know, are you ready to come back here? And he said, yeah, I have the tools that I need. And, mm-hmm. and so in November of 2015, he moved loaded up all of his uh, equipment for work and and he moved back here mm-hmm. um r- rented a room from his sister and um things were going really well and i was in kentucky at this time living there and so i didn't see him at you know he was clean and he was doing so well yeah. he had six six months clean you know when he moved here um but then in January of 2016, he relapsed. Okay. And it was it was not good. I moved back here in uh, June of 2016, and he was uh, he was a mess. Mm-hmm. And he would uh, take bids from or take down payments from people for work, mm-hmm. and then he would go get high, and then he wouldn't have the money to actually do the work. Mm-hmm. He always figured it out somehow. He mm-hmm. always did. Um, he, I think, during February to November of 2016, the longest that he had clean was two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, he was spending a lot of money on drugs and um, was not allowed to see his children yeah. while he was using, which I always supported. Sure, that. yeah. I mean, what kind of a father can you be if you're high on crack? Um, but then during that time, because coming off from crack, you don't have physical withdrawals. It's all psychological and okay. emotional, and he would just be sobbing and I don't want to live this way I want this to stop I don't know what to do mm-hmm. and it was just awful watching him go through this um so he started doing heroin to come down from the crack so that oh. he would just go to sleep yeah and not have to go through all of that um and when I heard that I had been hearing you know the news reports and stuff about how they're finding fentanyl laced in with the heroin and people are dying yeah and I begged him I'm like Derek do not do heroin people are dying from this stuff and he said mom the people that I buy from don't put they don't do that and I was like really because they're such upstanding citizens right why would you quality control yes (laughs) you know It was, um, you know, and and I was a huge enabler, and I didn't even realize it because I didn't really know, you know, I didn't know a lot about it. Yeah. Um, So I would go pick him up from his dealer's house because he didn't have money for a cab because he had spent it all there, and... I would, he would call me after a three day binge and say, Mom, I haven't eaten. And I would go take him to get stuff to eat. I would get him groceries. I would buy him cigarettes. Yeah. And like he sold his TV and everything. And so I let him use mine because, you know, you need to have a TV to watch. Right. 
So, but yeah. then in uh, in 2016, I started an Arnon group. Okay. Um, in Grand Rapids. Uh-huh. And just because people that aren't living through this mm-hmm. they don't know they have no idea absolutely and i needed to talk to other people that were there had been there and could understand what i was going through yeah um and it it really helped me a lot i mean in that group is when i learned that i was enabling him yeah. i was helping him to kill himself and if you're in it, you can't see the forest through the trees. I mean, of course not. Right. You're just thinking, I love this. This is my son. Exactly. I love him. And I would do anything. I don't want to see him in pain. I want to fix this for right. him. And um, one of the one of the things that I learned is I didn't cause it. I can't change it, and I can't cure it. Yeah. Um, which uh, I'm like, yeah, that's true. I I didn't, even yes. though you know people had told me you were. You're the one that raised him, so you did this to him. You weren't a good mom, and and I'm wow. like, I have, uh, I didn't give my son the drugs. I nope. I had no idea. Um. So and probably without those people saying that to you, those tapes play in our heads anyway as moms right. that everything's our fault. Well, well right. So what you could bl- I have done right. We blame ourselves for everything. Right. And so I'm sure that was really powerful kind of mantra to hear, like, this is not my fault. This is not my fault. This is not my fault. I didn't cause this, which is 100% the truth, obviously. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's powerful. So he was doing not good. I mean, he was, Derek um, was a very good looking man. Like when he was in rehab, they called him Hollywood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And he was very charming and likable and... He, um, you know, he was like 6'3", and I think weighed like 190, and he was just a very nice-looking man. But when he was, in 2016, he was skin and bones, and Mm -hmm. he just, his complexion was just ashen, Mm -hmm. and he did not look good at all. Mm -hmm. Not good. Um, And then... He decided in November of 2016 that he, the only way that he was going to get away from the drugs is to move back to Philly with Sam. Um, so he he did that. I mean, he did a job for his drug dealer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to get the money to go back to Philly. Well, the money was spent on drugs. And so then here he was, all packed up, ready to go, and he had no way. So mm-hmm. he called his uncle, and his uncle gave him enough money for gas to get back mm-hmm. to Philly. And that's all he gave him. So he finally made it back to Philly um, and did good for a little bit. He uh, moved into a sober living house. Sam okay. told him, as long as you're using, you're not living with me. Yeah. Um, so he moved into a sober living house and he he was still struggling. I mean, he would call me and he, Derek never did well working for other people. Mm-hmm. Never. He didn't like to listen to directions. He always knew the better way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um. And so he struggled at work, and then he struggled in this recovery house because, you know, they have rules. Yeah. 
and one of the rules was they had um, like a group every night at nine o'clock. Uh huh. And everybody needed to be in the house. Well, Derek, well, I have my own business now and I need to be out meeting with people and getting jobs. And so they should excuse me from that because I'm not like those other guys. Sure. Yes. Derek, you are just like them. You are a drug addict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so he, I don't know, he lived there for a month or so. And then ended up leaving there and going to a different one that was gonna it was gonna be so much better. Yeah. But still had the same problems. And then he moved back in with Sam, but then he was using and so it was um he really struggled a lot in two thousand seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um but then he in the summer of two thousand seventeen, he really started working on recovery mm-hmm. and he started going to meetings and he would send me pictures of the coins that he got mm-hmm. um and i think let's see uh, was it i think he might maybe he had six months clean in september i i believe that he had sent me a picture with his six month coin in september of 2017 well, then the hurricane happened in Florida. Yeah. And Derek is had a tree business. He was a tree climber. Mm-hmm. And so he got a contract to go down there, take a crew down there, and help with hurricane cleanup. Mm-hmm. And I knew when he was down there for like a week. I mean, he went down there. He had no money. Yeah. And here he's got this crew of guys. I think he took four guys down with him. And he told them, I'll pay for where we stay. I'll I'll give you money for food. He had no money. Yeah. And so he's calling me all the time, just all frantic. I don't know what I'm going to do. Sam was sending him money to pay for stuff. Yeah. And um, the, he relapsed down there. And I, I had a feeling that he did because one of the people that he used to get high with all the time from here showed up down there Mm -hmm. and I'm like he's getting high Mm -hmm. and uh he wouldn't admit it though I asked him and he said no no mom no I'm just stressed Mm -hmm. over you know this job and everything so he was down there for about six weeks and I think you know people go to these hurricane cleanups and you hear stories about you know, I made five hundred thousand dollars, and yeah. I think Derek made thirty. Yeah, and you know he had to pay his employees. So, um, he uh, came back from there, and um, he got his own apartment. And back in Philly. Yes. Yep. Got his own apartment, wasn't living with Sam. They weren't really getting along. Well, now we know what was he was using, but he was trying to hide it from mm-hmm. everyone. Um so and Sam told him, "I can't I can't do this anymore. You know, this roller coaster and the up and down and you're using and you're not and I just can't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to have your own your own place." So then he was all heartbroken over Sam and what do I do and um, he was supposed to go to Maryland with, uh, with me, uh, to have Thanksgiving with my brother mm-hmm. and he 
refused to answer my phone calls. Mm-hmm. And he called me when I was on my way down there. And I'm like, you're using, aren't you? And he said, yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you going to do? And he said, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, maybe you should go to rehab. No, Mom, I can do this on my own. I've done it before. I'll, I can do it again. All right. You know, it's your life, and mm-hmm. you get to choose how how you take care of this. And um, so he finally told Sam that he was using, and he was... Uh, that was in November still. He told Sam that he was using, and um, we found out that he was taking... So in Philly, they their homes are beautiful there. A lot of very old homes. They're brick, and they're three stories tall. Mm-hmm. And But they're like... They call them duplexes because there will be two mm-hmm. in one house. Um, but you buy it. So... Um, Sam owned one, and so the lady that he was renting from, she was renting him his enti- her entire upstairs. Okay. And I thought that he had an outside entrance mm-hmm. to get up in there. And he said, and we were talking about it one day, and he's like, "No, mom." He goes, "I walk in the front door and walk through her living room and up the stairs to the third floor." And I was like, "Oh." So then when I found out that he was bringing people in there and getting high, I was very afraid for that lady. Yeah. She was 70 years old. And yes. I I didn't know what to do, so I called the local police out there. Yeah. And told them what was going on, and they basically laughed at me. They're like, "Seriously? She has to know." And I'm like, no, she doesn't. He's on the third floor. She doesn't go up there. Yeah. How would she know that he's up there smoking crack and doing heroin? Yeah. How would she know that? And um, they're like, there's nothing we can do. Oh, jeez. And I'm, I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I told Sam, and she told Derek, and he was very upset with me. He goes, you need to stop trying to put yourself in my life. And I was like, okay, uh huh, that's fine. However, you can't tell me how to live mine right. and how I react to a situation when I was afraid for this woman. Mm-hmm. And um, I told him, I said, do not contact me mm-hmm. until you have either gone to rehab or you're in jail mm-hmm. and I know that you're not doing drugs and he didn't mm-hmm. I never heard another word from him mm-hmm. and then a few days went by and I'm like okay so he's doing all these drugs again and I know it's not good mm-hmm. what if something happens and I haven't spoken to him Yeah. so I sent him a text and said I'm sorry that I said that, Mm -hmm. and um, I I do want to talk to you. And he called me, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we had a really good conversation, and um, he's just like, Mom, it's okay, don't worry. Mm -hmm. I I can do this. I'll I'll just quit. And he didn't just quit. Yeah. And then on January 8th of 2018, oh, I need to back up. 
back it up. That's fine. The day after Christmas, um, a bunch of his friends in recovery in Philly told him, you need help. Mm-hmm. We're taking you to get help. And he called me went from when they were in the car on the way there, and he was mm-hmm. crying. And he's like, I don't want to do this, but I know, I know that I need to. Mm-hmm. And they took him to a detox facility. And he called me every day from there, and um, he was starting to sound better. Mm-hmm. And one day I asked him, I'm like, Derek, why are you in a detox? Because when you smoke crack you don't have physical withdrawals so why why are you there Mm -hmm. he's like mom I have a lot of drugs in my system and I'm like okay so it was at that point that I realized that he was addicted to heroin yeah um because before I I guess I probably thought well he's only doing after he smokes the crack he's probably and he wasn't injecting it he was smoking it Mm -hmm. so it probably wasn't as bad right but it was because he was addicted to heroin um he stayed there for five days uh he got out on january 2nd and was supposed to go he was already signed up to go into another sober living house Mm -hmm. well I thought that he was going to leave detox and go right there. Mm-hmm. but And I think Sam probably thought that too. But no, Derek always had one more thing that he yeah. had to do. Sure, he had a plan. Got, yeah, I've got all these things I need to take care of before I go. Yeah. And apparently he one of those things that he had to do was get high. Because when he got there at 10 p.m. that night, mm-hmm. he tested positive for drugs. So they wouldn't let him stay. Okay. So all of his stuff was still there. Mm-hmm. But they sent him. They told him he had to go to the hospital to detox. Apparently, so he was in, in the hospital, and they, you know, when somebody goes to the hospital because they OD or they need to detox or whatever, when they are done, when they release them, they're not releasing them to a facility that can help them. They're just out there. Yeah. Well, here you go. Go on your way. Yep. Here's your discharge instructions. Have a nice day. Right. Yeah. And so he left there and he got high. Yeah. And so he just, and then, you know, Sam had told the lady that he was living with and while he was in detox what had happened. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the lady told said he can't live here anymore. Mm-hmm. So Sam, you know, packed up a lot of his stuff and took it to her house with the understanding that he was going to the sober living house. Um, And then he, so basically he was homeless Mm -hmm. and he was sleeping in his truck. There were, I think a few nights that Sam did let him stay there. Mm -hmm. Um, And that Sunday night on January 7th was one of those nights he was sleeping in the spare bedroom. But she said that, he was uh, he was really anxious and he was pacing the floor and mm-hmm. I'm like yeah he wanted to, he wanted to use and so it, it was like midnight and she's like why don't you you know why don't you just try to get some sleep and he's like no I can't I I have to leave mm-hmm. so he left um, and then on Monday the eighth 
is when I got the call mm -hmm. that a detective had showed up at Sam's house because that was the address that was on his driver's license. Mm -hmm. And a detective uh, told her that he had been found in a park mm. and it didn't look good. Okay. So, um, of course, Sam went to the hospital and I didn't realize this at the time, but I assumed that Sam was with him mm -hmm. the whole time, but she wasn't family. So they weren't telling her anything. She didn't get to see him. She was just sitting in the waiting room. Yeah. And she had called my daughter. And my daughter called me. And I was at home. And my daughter called me at around 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And um, told me that Derek had been found. And that it didn't look good. So I called work and said... I'm not coming back to work. I'm on my way to Philly. I'm driving there. I have to be with my son. And about five minutes later, my work called me back and said, our boss is buying you plane tickets to fly you out there. Oh. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was really afraid that you were going to say something else. I'm so glad that was nicer no. than I thought. Yes. Um, so my boss uh, had the travel agent call me, and um, they set up the, the soonest flight that I could get was 345 that day. Yeah. And I wasn't going to get in until 730. Um, so in the meantime, while I'm making plans and booking flights, I get a, a call from the hospital at 2.11 p.m., and it was the doctor, mm -hmm. and she said, we have had Derek here for three hours. Mm -hmm. um, his core body temperature is 72 degrees, mm -hmm. and we're doing everything that we can mm -hmm. for him. And I was like... I'm not going to be there until 7.30 tonight. Is he still going to be here? Mm -hmm. And she said, I can't make any promises, but I am doing everything that I can to save your son. Mm -hmm. <sighs> oh, yeah. So, Take a deep breath. So I um, was still trying to figure everything out in yeah. my head and... At 2.19, she called back yeah. and said, I'm so sorry, but he mm. didn't make it. Oh, Teresa, I'm so sorry. And I was a mess. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I went and got a bag out of my closet and put it on the couch and I'm in my head I'm like what the F am I supposed to put in this bag I what yeah. am I I don't even know what I'm doing right now I don't yeah. know how to do this and Casey called me back and she's like are you on your way to the airport and I'm like no and she goes mom your flight leaves at 345 and I said I, and I'm bawling my head off, and I'm sure. like, I don't know what to put in the effing bag. Yeah. And um, I ended up putting in the bag 
one change of clothes, mm-hmm. <laughs> pajamas, and my toothbrush. <laughs> I feel like those were good choices. <laughs> I feel like you win that day. Yes. <laughs> and um, I get to the airport and didn't even, I, sh- I parked in short-term parking. Sure. I, it was closest. I was going to miss my plane. And I'm, I am went through all the motions of getting on the plane. And I'm having, I'm intermittently crying. And people are probably like, what in the world is wrong with this lady? Yes. So I had, I flew to Detroit and then to Philly. And when I get to Detroit and I'm walking through the airport, all of a sudden I look down and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have a bra on. <laughs> no, of course and you I'm don't. And I'm like, I forgot to put my bra on. And, um, oh, oh my oh. gosh. And I was, it was, uh, you know, I'm going through, I'm on the people mover in the airport and I'm looking at all these people and they're laughing and, you know, going yeah. about their day. And I'm thinking, how dare you? Yes. How dare you be so happy yeah. when my son died? Yeah. And it was, oh my gosh, it was just all the emotions and the feelings are, I can, I can feel them all. Yeah. Um, and they had told me at the hospital that they would leave his body there mm-hmm. until... I got there. Mm -hmm. And, oh no, I got to back up. Back up? You're fine. Oh my God, you're doing amazing. So, when I... incredible. When I was in Detroit getting ready to get on the plane to Philly, Mm -hmm. um, my phone rang. Mm -hmm. And it was Sam, Mm -hmm. or so I thought. I answered it. It was another doctor at the hospital. Mm -hmm. And so... He is explaining to me everything that they did for Derek and every, and then that he, you know, eventually they couldn't do enough and he died. And, and I knew all this, so I was kind of confused. Yeah. And I said, but Sam is with him, right? Yeah. And he said, not unless you say so. And I said, are you telling me that my son died all alone? Sam wasn't with him while she's sitting right there. Exactly. They and that was that was his way. Him telling me everything that happened yeah. was his way of telling her what happened. She had, didn't know. Oh, Jiminy Christmas! And I felt so bad for her. Yeah. She had been sitting there all day, right? And she didn't even know. <sighs> so um, they did let once I said, "Well, yes." Right. So, you know, she got to go in and see him um, and held his hand. And um, I got there and I got an Uber to go to Sam's. And when I got there, um, her family was there. And Derek's best friend, Brian, actually had moved out to uh, New Jersey for work. Okay. Um, And him and his partner were there. and they were just, you know, sharing stories about Derek, and and uh, I told them about <laughs> how I didn't have a bra on. <laughs> Sam goes, well, I guess we're, I know where we're going in the morning. <laughs> so, um, um, and it was nice, and 
I didn't get any sleep that night. And yeah. um, I, but, oh, when I got into Philly, though, I called the hospital. Yeah. Well, the ME already came and picked him up. So I didn't get to see him. Oh. Um, oh I didn't awful. get to see him. And I'm like, I just want to see my son. Yes. And uh, on Tuesday, we, I, Tuesday morning, I called the ME's office and mm-hmm. said, I want to come see my son. And they said, we can't let you do that. We can take a picture and show you the picture, but you can't have the picture. Why? And I w- it was something to do with their rules. That was their property, and they could not, they couldn't even let me do that. And I was like, I need to see my son. Right. And they said, well, maybe you can, maybe the funeral home will let you see him. And I'm like, but I want to see him now. Right. I mean, my son died yesterday, and I still haven't seen him. I want to see my son. Yeah. No, they would not. They would not let me see him. So we went to the funeral home, and um, I had to sign all these papers and give all this information. And I went to sign the paper, and I started thinking, maybe it's not him. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen him. I don't know. Sure. And I looked at Sam and I said, are you sure it's him? Mm -hmm. And she said, yes. Yeah. Yes, it's him. So I signed all these papers and the funeral home did tell me that once the the autopsy was done and the ME's office released his body to them, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't like... They wouldn't, like, fix him up, like, for a funeral. Yeah. But they would put, like, a blue tarp over him up to his neck, and I would be able to see him that way. And I said, I don't care. Yeah. I just want to see my son. Yeah. So um, they actually got him later Tuesday afternoon. And... um, Hmm. And I got to see him. Mm-hmm. But when I walked in the door of that room, and I saw my son laying there, I almost fell to my knees. Yeah. And Sam lifted me up. Oh. Yeah. It was awful. But I was so glad that I got to see him and I got to say goodbye. Yeah. And then the next day, um, we had the detective take me to where they found him. Okay. So what they think is that um, he was high. Mm-hmm. Um, at about 5 a.m., he had sent a text to the dealer and said I need to get some sleep can you help me out which Mm -hmm. meant he needed some heroin Mm -hmm. um they think that I mean he was in this big park this big beautiful park in Philly and parked his truck in the parking lot and was walking down a path um so there's a big drop off and then there's a river river there and um 
on that morning at nine o'clock on Monday morning, there was a runner that was across the river mm-hmm. that saw something bright blue mm-hmm. on the bank of the river, and um, he went over there mm-hmm. and he found Derek. Okay, laying there. Um, so the he either slipped and fell. And I mean, he was, uh, I think that he went down there to go to sleep because he was on this big flat rock. Okay. Yeah. And he only had, I mean, he didn't, they found his jacket laying by a footbridge. He had taken his jacket off because crack is a stimulant Uh and it makes you hot. Um, so, but then, you know, he had done the heroin and so that made him sleepy. So he took his coat off. I think that he went down there to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. But they found his phone at the top of the hill. Um, and so the um, and the Emmy's office out there was amazing. I have heard stories about mothers waiting for toxicology reports and autopsy reports for like six months. Mm-hmm. Um, that Emmy's office had the final toxicology report to me in 37 days but I knew what the results were before because I called he told me when I could call and I called and the final toxicology report says that he died from hypothermia complicated by drug use okay so he had in his system he had cocaine which was the crack and heroin and carfentanil, which was carfentanil is more potent than fentanyl, which is already crazy. Potent. Yes. So, um, I, I mean, at first I was, I'm like, so what if? Because at the hospital they didn't do the test that would pick up all that stuff. Okay. That's done in the final toxicology report. So I. If they knew that he had heroin in his system, mm-hmm. if they gave him Narcan, would he still be alive? Mm-hmm. But I just don't know. But I I also think that if he didn't freeze to death, he would have OD'd because there was carfentanil in the heroin. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if Narcan works with carfentanil. I think it does, but I'm not sure. Yeah. But I just have so many unanswered questions that will never be answered. Sure. Never. Yeah. So. <sighs> oh, my. Well, first, I just want to say thank you for telling that whole story, because I know it probably doesn't get easier no matter how many times you've told it. It doesn't, and that, that surprises me, but yeah. Yeah, and I don't even know if you've told it from beginning to end I haven't many ever, times. I haven't ever. Oh, well, I've I could never cry. told that entire story. Just I just want to honor that for a moment cuz I really appreciate how taxing that is. So, thank you for doing that. Thank you. And I know, well, I don't know for sure, but I assume that you are willing to do that because there are so many people out there that are living this story. Oh, absolutely. I need to know. Then that's why yeah. That's why Derek's place is here. Yeah. Because I want to help people like Derek. I don't want his death to be a statistic. Yeah. I want 
I wanted to do good things for people, yeah. people like him. Yeah. Well, let's talk about how soon after, or maybe all along, even when he was alive, were you starting to think about a place like Derek's place? Like, talk about the genesis of that idea. It wasn't. I didn't think about anything like that when Derek was alive. And as a matter of fact, it was, I hated all of the people that he would get high with mm-hmm. and the dealers that he would say are my friends. I hated them. Sure. I actually had hate in my heart for them because I'm like, if they weren't so willing to get high with him, maybe he wouldn't do it. Yeah. But then after he died, I was like, you know what? Yeah. They're just like him. Mm-hmm. And I don't have hate in my heart for my son. Mm-hmm. I never did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't have hate in my heart for them. Yeah. Um, so it was about, gosh, it was probably about three months after Derek died. And I heard about this place in Seattle Mm -hmm. called the Recovery Cafe. Mm -hmm. And I went to their website and I'm like, this is what I want to do. I want to do this in Grand Rapids. And so that's why it's called Derek's Place, a recovery cafe, because we're using we're using their model. Okay. They share their model with people, and they have recovery cafes all over the country. Okay. Not a lot, um, maybe eight. Yeah. Um, but um, people more more and more people are hearing about them, mm-hmm. and and I just thought this is a place that. Derek would have liked to have gone when he was clean Mm -hmm. to just be around other people that are like him that understand that have done some of the things that he's done yeah um and I just and not be judged yeah yeah you know drug addicts are so often judged as you know people call them junkies and druggies and that's not who they are yeah Derek was not the drugs he yeah. was a totally different person when he wasn't using. Um, I, at his funeral, I told the priest a story about Derek. Um, one day I had gone with him. His truck was at an ex's house, and I took him there so he could pick up his truck. And so we were driving, and it was on the west side. And we were going under the overpass to get on 96, and there was a homeless man standing under the overpass. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was raining on and off that day. And Derek stopped his truck underneath the overpass, and I'm like, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> and he got out and took off his coat and gave it to the homeless man. Yeah. That's my son. Yes. That's the person that I want everybody to know and remember. Yeah. Because he would have done anything for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he was, uh, I just, I want to help people like that. Yeah. Because I think every mom or sister or relative of someone that's in addiction gets those glimpses, like you talked about all through his story of him, Mm -hmm. like when he's in recovery and he's working on his business or he's, you know, making people laugh or whatever. Like that's, Mm -hmm. you get those little glimpses of who that person really is. And then it gets piled on with, 
shame and regret and whatever mm-hmm. and then he kind of goes under the radar for a while but then you get another glimpse and right. it's that kind of roller coaster yeah. but they're in there they're they in there the person there. Mm-hmm. yeah where is Derek's place now like is it a physical place yet are you in the planning we, we are in the planning we actually just got our 501c3 status two weeks ago oh that's exciting so, yes, that's very exciting yes um our website is almost done uh we um once our website is up and running um then we're going to start applying for grants you mm-hmm. know we're going to start locally first and see what we can get yeah um but we're actually thinking of at first um i wanted i was going to be looking for a space to rent that yeah. would have a kitchen in it because you know we're going to be giving up two meals a day so we need a kitchen um, and then somebody suggested, you know, there are a lot of nonprofits that might have extra space with access to a kitchen that you could get for a lot cheaper. Yeah. So um, that's the route that I think we're going to go first. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want it to be, I just want it to be a special place and, mm-hmm. um, full of love and compassion and um i just want these people to know that there are people that care and you can be clean and happy and in recovery and mm-hmm. and you deserve that yes you deserve to have the life that you want yep or just a meal. Like, I think at the lowest of the low, they probably don't feel like they deserve anyone to do anything for them. Right. So if anyone opens a door or gives them a bowl of soup or whatever, they just feel like, ugh, like I'm not even worth those little things. Right. And then the little things open the door to bigger and bigger right. things. You know, and it, it'll be for um, not only people in recovery, but homeless people and people with other mental health issues. Because yeah. it's like, 85% or something crazy like that of people with substance use disorder um, have an underlying mental health issue. And when Sam was going through Derek's things mm-hmm. after he died, she found his discharge papers from the detox facility. Mm-hmm. They diagnosed him with bipolar disorder. Wow, yeah. And he never told us because yeah. we would have told him to take the medication. Sure, yes. <laughs> yes, um, and he had a plan. He had a different plan. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So um, so he was bipolar his whole life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, I just can't even imagine, like, how the thoughts went through his head. And, and I talked to him about that one time. I'm like, Derek... When you're getting high, like, what are you thinking about? What are you talking about with the people? He goes, Mom, when you're getting high, you're not, you don't talk to anyone. And he said, and you don't really think about anything. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, crack steals your soul. Wow. He said, I have nothing. I have nothing left of me. Yeah. And I just was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we had a lot of good conversations like that, and and he explained a a lot to me and Mm -hmm. made me understand more, and 
uh, be more compassionate and mm -hmm. because I mean before before Naranon I was always telling him well and it was way before Naranon but um I'm telling him just stop right just don't do it anymore you yeah. know you've got so much going for you and just he's like he always just say mom it's not that easy yeah. and you know so then I start researching and I'm like oh well it's a disease yeah he can't really help it. Yes. And um, once I understood that mm -hmm. and I realized that, our relationship got a lot better because mm -hmm. I wasn't wasn't telling him what to do all the time. And you just need to do this and you just need to do that. I mm -hmm. wasn't doing that. I was listening to him. Mm -hmm. And that's all he ever really wanted was for me to listen to him. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... And, you know, that's what we're going to do at Derek's place. Yeah. We're just going to listen mm -hmm. and understand. It's so needed because I feel like that doesn't exist. That specific kind of place exactly doesn't exist here. Right. Um, you know, it might be all focused on recovery or all focused on homelessness or all focused on, you know, but right. that kind of conglomeration of everything right. I think sounds amazing. You know, and Derek was homeless a lot. Sure. So, you know. Yeah. I love it. Thank I love you. it. It feels like he equipped you. I mean, lots of things equipped you, but he equipped you all along the way he to did. do this work. I think so, too, and you're yeah. not the first person. You're actually yeah. the second person that has said that to me this week. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he did. Mm -hmm. And he'll probably keep equipping you, keep giving you little little nudges and signs, and yeah. Oh. Amazing. I love it all. Thank you. Um, anything else you want to say about Derek's Place, like upcoming events or how people can get connected if they really resonate with the mission? Well, right now, um, like I said, our website is not up. However, if you go to our Der or to our website, which is derricksplaceinc.com, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you can put your email address in there. And then as soon as it is up, you will get an email saying that it's up. Cool. Um, we also have the Facebook page, um, which is Derek's Place, a recovery cafe. Um, and we have, let's see, in February, uh, the Log Cabin, which is a bar division mm -hmm. and uh, Elger, I think it is. Mm -hmm. um, they invited us there to do a Euchre tournament mm -hmm. as a fundraiser. So... Excuse me. We did that in February and had a great turnout. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. Um, so they invited us to come back every month. Oh, fun. So we just had, last Sunday, we just had our March one. Uh, so we will be having one towards the end of April. I don't have the date yet, but mm -hmm. it will be on the Derek's Place Facebook page when I do. Um, it's usually from like 2 to 6. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a twenty dollar. You pay twenty dollars uh, to play ten rounds of euchre, mm -hmm. and uh, first place gets a hundred and fifty dollars, and second place gets fifty dollars. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a fifty fifty raffle, and it's just Love a it. lot of fun. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, I will, um, of course, link to everything in the show notes so people can find you and follow along in the progress and plug in where they can um, okay. because I love everything you're doing. It's Thank fantastic. you so much. So there are a bunch of questions that I ask all of my guests. Mm -hmm. um, so the 
first one, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but if people are really looking for this kind of connection, maybe it's the non-judgmental connection that you've talked about, um, what is something they can do to create that in their life? Um, listen. Yes. You need to listen. We really do. And not listen to respond, but just to hear what they're saying. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that and and to, to believe that um, this is a disease. Yes. It really is. It's a brain disorder. Um, and so, I mean, you just really have to understand that, that they, yes, the first time that Derek did a drug. It was his choice to do it. Yeah. But once he started, the first time that he did an addictive drug, Mm -hmm. that choice was taken away from him. Yeah. Because he was addicted. Mm -hmm. And the drugs took over. Mm -hmm. Um, And it takes, you know, the six months that he had in recovery before he moved back here, that was not enough because it takes at least a year for your brain Mm-hmm. To go back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think, yeah, people just need to understand and listen mm-hmm. and not judge. And I feel like if you as a mama of someone that has been through this can figure that out, how to listen without inserting yourself. Not trying to fix it. Right. Because that's all we want to do exactly. as the moms and yes. the dads. Um, so if you can figure that out, like we can all figure this out, how to listen to people without immediately developing our response right. on how to fix it. There's, mm-hmm. there, there's hope for right. all of us, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I think so. And this, this is not one of the questions that I planned, but I'm just super curious how, what fills you up? How have you gotten through the ups and downs of kind of, grieving your son or parts of his journey all along not just since his death but i'm sure i'm I'm sure all along you had the fear of losing him at points along the way Mm -hmm. or losing parts of him right um and then since then kind of what keeps you putting one foot in front of the other what's your support medication medication (laughs) i love it (laughs) perfect yes honesty um (laughs) I love that. No, um, I just, uh, I mean, Derek's place, having a purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Having a purpose really helps me. Yep. Um, Because, I mean, uh, when Derek first died, I was, and I started a blog Mm -hmm. to talk about it because Mm -hmm. I had all of these, all of these feelings and, and I'm like, is, is this how it's supposed to feel? Because mm-hmm. this is awful. Yeah. This is absolutely awful. I I think I was in shock for a few months. Sure. Um, I haven't gotten angry yet. I know they say that's one of the five stages of grief, but yeah. I haven't gotten mm-hmm. angry. Um, but I just, it, you know, I went to my doctor right after it happened and... Because I, I was supposed to have, like, a, a checkup mm-hmm. or something. Well, it was, like, a week after Derek died. It was the Monday after he died. Oh, gosh. And I called them, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I can't come. 
And, you know, I told him, my son died. There's no way I'm coming to a doctor's appointment. Mm -hmm. So um, when I did go later at the end of that month, oh, my God, my doctor, she came in and gave me a hug. Mm -hmm. She cried with me. Mm -hmm. She, you know, and she just, um, she's been really awesome through my whole grieving process because she will tell me, you know, what you're feeling is normal. Yeah. This is normal. Um, And... So that's what made me start a blog because I'm like, you know, I'm sure there are other moms out there that have lost their child to this awful disease. Yeah. And they don't know. They don't know that it's normal. And yeah. and everything that I felt and everything that I did, it was all normal. Yeah. Um, and people, they don't understand and they think, and I know that people mean well, Mm -hmm. but they say things that are just like a trigger, like, well, you know, he's with God now. Yeah. I don't give a damn where he is. I want him here. Thank you. Yes. I don't care about that. And I was, I guess I was angry at first, but I was angry at God. Yeah. For taking my son for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um... And I think sometimes I still am. Yeah. But I, I've never been angry with Derek. And yeah. Why did you do this? But, um. Yeah, I just Derek's place is what gets me through. I mean, and and I am on, you know, meds that I never thought I would be on, and some of them are yeah. meds that if Derek could have gotten his hands on him, right. he would have loved them. Right. But. <laughs> But I mean, that's good to hear too. I mean, we laugh about it, but I think people need, can't hear enough that go to your doctor, go, you know, self-care, self-care, self-care. We hear that all the time, but I think people think maybe when you're in the middle of grief that like clearly nothing can possibly help, but there are tools that can at least get you to the point where you can put that one foot in front of the other. Right. It's not going to take it away, but... I think sometimes people think, well, what is my doctor going to do? I can't get out of this deep pit of despair. But they can maybe give you some tools to get you to the point where you can wash your hair, you know, and go grocery shopping or sleep. sleep. I mean, that was the big thing with my doctor. She's like, are you sleeping? And I'm like, no. Yeah. So she gave me something to help me sleep. And, you know. Yeah. It works. Yeah. I love that you, you're you just kind of doing all the things, you know, the let's see if blogging can help. Let's reach out and see if that helps. And because you're like five minutes from the tragedy, you're not very far out no. either. So the mm-hmm. fact that you've gotten this far in a year and a little bit, I mean, it's phenomenal. Just well, absolutely. I go to art therapy once a month. I love oh, that. Oh, my gosh. I love it, too. So there, I don't know if you've ever heard of the organization called FAN. It's called no. It's Families Against Narcotics. Okay. And they meet the first Tuesday of every month at St. Mark's Church uh-huh. down on Division. Um, well, they had, uh, it was last year, uh, they had an art therapist come mm-hmm. and talk about grief. Mm-hmm. And she offered to the members of FAN, mm-hmm. anybody that has lost a child to this disease, um, an art therapy class uh, once a month. Mm-hmm. And I go for an hour and a half. And we and it's um, there's one other lady that goes, too. That's all that has come so far. But, you know, she'll ask us at the beginning, you know, how, how are you doing right now? Yeah. What do you want to get out of... 
out of tonight's session mm -hmm. and so we'll just talk mm -hmm. and like uh i went this last tuesday was my night to go and i had been feeling a lot of anxiety mm -hmm. that day um and i and i told her that and i said you know what i want i want to feel calm when i leave here tonight mm -hmm. no anxiety so you know she gets out canvases and paint brushes and paints and she says okay paint what your anxiety if you were to look at your anxiety pick a color mm -hmm. and paint that on there mm -hmm. and you know and she just said okay now let's do this and let's do this and when I'm done, I have an art piece that means nothing to nobody but me. Yes. And it doesn't look like art. Yeah. I mean, it's I'm not an artist, yeah. but it, it helps. Yes. So um, I, I just love it. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And the name of her, um, her, what do you call it, uh, organization is uh, iLight. Like E-Y-E? Light? No, I, just, just like I. the letter okay. I, and then L-I-G-H-T. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, she's she's really good. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, something just to do with your hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. um, what types, again, we've kind of touched on this too, but what types of places or people make you feel like you are being seen and heard for who you actually are? Other moms that have lost a child mm -hmm. or have a child that is in active addiction. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like being in a room with the people that have walked your walk. Exactly. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you still go to Naranon or? You know what? That group, after Derek died, uh -huh. I went um, for, I don't know, probably about three months. But then I was like... I don't have a person in active addiction anymore, mm -hmm. and I don't have the energy yeah. to come to these meetings. I mean, that was, I went, like, the week after he died, I was there. And yeah. then I'm just like, and I, I kind of went because somebody said, well, people need to hear your story. And yeah. I'm like, but I need to focus on me right now, mm -hmm. and I just can't do it. So I found somebody to chair, somebody else to chair the meeting. Um, but it, from what I hear, I don't think it e they even have it anymore because people okay. just stopped coming. Yeah. So yeah. I I mean it it was very helpful. But at Derek's place, we're also going to have we're going to have grief groups. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a support group for um, parents that have a child in active addiction. It's not going to be Naranon um, because you know they have their own rules yeah. and their own way of looking at things and. Um, but it's just going to be a support group. Yeah. That I mean, I had posted on our Facebook page one day, you know, what kind of things as parents would you like to see here? Yeah. Um, and somebody said, you know, I want to I want a support group of other parents that have a child that's still using. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to have that. Um, so it, it, we are going to have things for the parents also. Yeah. Yeah, because be I know they can feel you feel so alone. Yeah, because like at work, nobody else at work has a child like that, and 
you know, I don't have anybody. I didn't have anyone to talk to about yeah. Derek and what he was doing until I went to that Naranon group. But, you know, also, you know, they're a 12-step program. Yeah. Well, some people think that 12-step programs don't work for them. Yep. And, you know, and they, they don't, you know. Mm-hmm. If a 12-step program works for you, that's awesome. And you should do that. Yeah. But then we want to have other programs for people in recovery that they can go to that aren't 12 steps, you yeah. know, religious based or, you know, MAT, which is um, medically assisted treatment. Um, so we just want to have the resources and offer all kinds of different things because yeah. everybody is different. So one thing isn't going to work for everyone. Yeah. I love that perspective that it'll just be kind of the hub yes. for people that need something having to do with substance abuse and addiction. Yeah, yes. I love it. Um, favorite things. We'll end on a All high right. note. <laughs> so um, I love a great pedicure. Pedicure. Oh my yes. gosh. Is all year round pedicure or are you like a summertime oh, pedicure no, I would person? Lo- I would get them all year. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like wh- I think you should have a good pedicure once a month. I love it. Yeah. Do you have a favorite place to go? Well, right now I just go to the one that's in the mire in Cascade. Perfect. <laughs> yes. You're there. Hop in for a pedicure. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, Perfect. Good pedicure. Yeah. Um, my else? family and friends. Yeah. You know. Um, I love to travel to new places. Last year I went to Italy. Lovely. Oh, and I just I love Italy. I want to retire there. Yeah. It is so awesome there. <laughs> it's beautiful. And yeah. Yeah. Do you have a trip that you're planning right now? Right now I'm going to Costa Rica in September. Oh. But then, then I want to just go to Italy every year. Okay. <laughs> because I, when the place that we stayed, it was in a little village outside of Arezzo. Um, and I spread some of Derek's ashes in an olive oh. grove there. Oh, I love that. So um, there's a rock there that I can sit on. And so when I go there, I can, I can visit with him. I love that. Oh, what an amazing place yeah, to be would, able to visit. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just like spending time with my grandkids. I, like I said, I have yeah. seven. Um, you know, since Derek died, though, I I haven't really spent a lot of time with all of them together. Mm-hmm. I, um, I mean, in that first year, I, I just couldn't. I just didn't, I didn't have it in me to deal with seven kids all at once in my little one-bedroom house yes um and you know they all have you know my girls you know they have their families and they do their their family stuff and so a lot of times you know they're not even available but um this year I'm looking forward to spending more time with my grandkids again and yeah um, Ash, my youngest Ashley and her boys will be going with me to Costa Rica, so okay. that will be a good experience for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I love the ocean. Yeah. The ocean is so, I don't know, it's just so calming. And um, I lived in Florida for two years, right on the Gulf, and I would love to just go sit on the beach and watch the waves roll in. And mm-hmm. it's yeah, that's a a very therapeutic place yeah it's healing 
heard a lot of people that mm-hmm. have trauma or grief or both mm-hmm. that water large bodies of water yeah. are so healing yes for them so that makes yeah it makes a ton of sense mm-hmm. did we hit all the favorite things we did we got some biggies in there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> grandkids and travel and ocean i love it well I just couldn't be more grateful that you came because I'm the total stranger to you. And I just, I'm so, so, so honored to hear your story, hear about Derek. I think you're a freaking superhero. (laughs) I really, it's like you are the people that will move this world forward. You're just genuine. Like you get what you get and you've been through a, a whole bunch of stuff. So you're just like, you don't have time for the nonsense and the veneer and it's like that's how we all need to be so i think you're absolutely an example and a wonderful human and i'm so glad i got to meet you and talk to you thank you so much i am grateful that i got to come and and share derek's story and i will talk about derek whenever somebody asks i I love it (laughs) well i'm gonna do my part to push it out to the masses So people can get to know him and what you're doing because of him. Thank you. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Ah, didn't I tell you that she is incredible? I have listened to so many people in my career, and as I'm listening to their stories, I sometimes think, why me? Why now? Why do I get to receive this story? And I don't think it's some magic that I possess. I think it's the simple act of creating space, and not with the physical things in the space always, but an energetic space of real openness. And that's what I want for you to do. I want everyone to walk around with such openness that invites the possibility that someone will step into that space and share. I want you to move through life like Teresa, who has endured so much that she's open to walking with others through their pain. I want you to listen with no ending in mind, no outcome hoped for. So. Go support Teresa in her work. You can find Derek's place in the show notes or look for it on Facebook. And then go take the middle seat. I know someone needs you to listen right now.